Hi, I'm Jenna Lee, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Greg, a doctor of educational psychology. We're husband and wife, parents of four, trying to make evidence-based parenting practices accessible to all. Thanks for joining us as we learn to navigate the happy human life. Okay, we are here for our second episode. We made it. We made it to number two. Woo! I mean, come on. Most people I hear stop at one, though I've done zero research into it, and I'm just <laughs> going to choose to believe that. We are extra special. Um, and so what's kind of funny is this, you know, we're here back in our makeshift office, which if we were to record for you all, I'm pretty sure you'd have a pretty good laugh at what this all looks like. But um, we're going to fake it till we make it. That's it. You know, (laughs) we're waiting for those big production studios to reach out to us and uh, swoop in and do all of the heavy lifting for us. Um, And what's funny is, you know, you mentioned in the last episode how this was kind of a date for us. And I had this idea that I wanted to throw at you if that's okay. Instead of calling it, you know, episode one, episode two, what if we call it like date one, date two? What do you think? That might be one of the <laughs> most like romantic things you've <laughs> Just, said to me in a while. <laughs> oh, see, see, I was thinking it was a little too unprofessional, but um, no, I think that's what this is to me. Um, hanging out with you, having these conversations that, you know, often it's just me and you hanging out in bed after the kids are sleeping that we're really digging into this stuff. But now they're at school. It's the afternoon. We're sitting here in our, again, uh, little office space, um, having this date, digging into our new topic, which I'll stop blabbering. Building resilience in our children, nurturing emotional strength and coping skills. And so like we did with the last episode and we plan to do with uh, all episodes, we're going to have this predictable structure where in digging into this topic, we're going to share out three actionable tips with you. So by the time you're done with our episode, you have tools that you can kind of use right away today as you go uh, working on building resilience in our kids. So the learning outcome for today, by the end of this episode, we'll all better understand what it means to build resilience in our kids and be able to apply those three actionable tips that we're going to share to help nurture our family's emotional strength and coping skills. The first thing we want to do is share with you some stats from social media. So we posted the following quote from the book, From Chaos to Connection. If you haven't read this book, it is definitely... A must read. We can try to figure out how to link it in the show notes yeah. below. I hear other people saying that in their <laughs> podcast, so I think we can figure that out for you guys. TBD. Yeah. <laughs> the quote is We cannot raise emotionally intelligent kids if we aren't prepared to work on ourselves first. Mm-hmm. This is where we need to begin if we hope to see any changes in our family. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's this so true. This is we need to look inward which is so hard for many of us. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we live in a world where we're all seeking that kind of external support. We're looking outward for the quick fix, the Band-Aid, when in reality, in order to have the greatest impact, we do have to look within. The change needs to happen kind of within us. And so this is going to be much of the foundation for the topic that we're going to dig into. Right. And we followed the quote with a question. Who is interested in learning more about raising emotionally intelligent kids. It was a resounding yes. Everyone who answered the prompt wants to learn. We want to grow. I think we're all on the same page here. Yeah, I mean, so if you're here listening to this podcast, just keep in mind, we're obviously going to be sharing out over time actionable tips that, you know, aren't all about self-growth. But at the end of the day, if you want to show up as that I don't want to say better parent, but as the parent that you want to be, 
you're going to have to dig in and do some work on yourself so your kids can kind of model all of these wonderful things that you're doing for yourself within themselves. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to elevate your kind of family's emotional resilience. Absolutely. So we also asked on social, do you have the supports and resources to develop your family's emotional strength and coping skills, right? Do you have what you need to support your own growth and your family's growth? And this is where we saw over half of you, 54% do not feel you have the support and resources that you need. And so I feel like that's why we're kind of here to have this conversation to offer some of that support. And I really feel like before we started Happy Human Life, we didn't feel like we had the support or resources either. I mean, we both come from great families. We certainly have family support to provide assistance when needed, but really those educational resources, even though we're both in you know the fields of occupational therapy, educational psychology, we really had to dig for these resources to find people who aligned with the way we felt we wanted to raise our kids. Yeah. And what's really embarrassing for me to mention is I do teach uh, emotional intelligence. I have a whole class, a whole <laughs> lecture that I've been uh, doing for about 10 years now, over 10 years, maybe 12 years, on emotional intelligence specifically. And here I am teaching my students all about these levels of emotional intelligence and what we can be doing to build emotional intelligence within ourselves and our kids. But then I come home and it's like, I'm just not applying any of these practices. And like you said, starting Happy Human has really put a kind of hyper focus on taking these tools, these strategies, the things that both you and I have learned about and actually putting them to practice at home. It's been great to be able to actually (laughs) use the tools that we've been kind of teaching. Right. You guys are really causing us to do some sort of deep reflection, deep dive into these topics, which is so amazing. We so enjoy receiving your input. So if you want to get in on these conversations, please head on over to Instagram or Facebook, follow along. We are building this community and we'd love to have you be a part of it and to weigh in on all of the questions that we have. Heck yeah. So (laughs) speaking of the community, um, we're going to try to introduce these topics with uh, a community member's question. So I'll toss it off to Jenna Lee to share what Nesh said. So Nesh said, my two and a half year old son curls up on the floor when he's told no or when he's upset. He'll also drop his head too. This like makes me feel bad for this little guy. It also reminds me of our daughter and how she used to respond when she would get upset. Oh yeah, shutdown mode. Absolutely. Head, head hanging low, hair over her face, all of it. Nesh went on to say, his dad says, chin up and don't sulk. He's been doing this since he started to walk around his first birthday, and I see it as his strategy to cope with his frustration. Sometimes I see him looking for me or wanting to have a giggle. I've tried acknowledging him, rubbing his back, and picking him up. Should I be encouraging his curl-up strategy or help him develop a different one? This is a great question, and I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. Absolutely. So, Nesh, you are not alone, like Jenny <laughs> We're was with saying. you. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got a, one just like it. And don't get me wrong, one in particular kind of has used this as a traditional strategy, but the others at many moments have done it as well. So, again, we're confident that almost all of you listening have that sense of relatability to Nesh's story there. Um, and what's funny is even thinking it about, you know, thinking through this from my own perspective, 
you know, my parents were great. They, they really encouraged me to express myself. But in all reality, I grew up in the 80s. And, you know, the culture at the time was, you know, boys don't cry. And so I always felt this need to really kind of suck up my emotions and to, to be a man. Uh, and so even though I had a great family, I didn't feel like I always had the space to really share out how I was feeling, right? If, if I were ever to express my some of my real emotions in front of my friend groups, for example, I'd be, I, at least I felt like I would have been ostracized. Mm-hmm. And so what's really interesting is we actually had a spotlight question from a community member that we answer, uh, answered through email related to these kind of I'm fine statements when you're not really fine. Uh, like how do we break that I'm fine cycle? How do we actually grow more comfortable sharing the truth behind our emotions? Um, I mean, I really related to that person's question. Uh, how many times have you asked me are you okay? And I just say, I'm fine. I'm fine, yeah. And you're so great about really digging, but I mean, it's really ingrained in us, this sort of like, I'm fine, I'll figure it out on my own. Right, I'm not gonna, I don't really need anybody yeah, I'm else. I'm not gonna bother you. It's right. uh, I'm gonna deal with this. And you know, Let's squash those emotions yeah. down as far as they'll go. <laughs> yeah, and we, we all know that if you're gonna shove these emotions deep down, you're gonna cover them up. They're just gonna build up over time until we get to a point where we explode. And I think the whole idea about becoming emotionally resilient is to you know, not allow those explosions to happen. We want to slowly kind of release the pressure over time. And we can do that by sharing out how we feel. Now we're going to dig into for our next episode, episode three, we plan to talk about uh, parental stress and burnout. So we're going to talk much more about kind of venting our own emotions to kind of Mm -hmm. manage that stress and burnout. Uh, But for now, we're going to really hyper focus on what we can do to encourage our kids to experience all the emotions while also teaching them the coping skills that they can use to grow more emotionally resilient. Yeah. So I think Many people listening might be wondering, what does it mean to be emotionally resilient? Yeah, I mean, let's start there. So when we say someone is emotionally resilient, we're saying that they have the ability to manage and navigate through their problems and challenging situations without being too overwhelmed by the big emotions that we might be feeling, right? We want to be able to respond to our emotions, no matter how big, in very healthy and constructive ways. And so this really sounds like something we're all working on. I mean, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we want to we want to work on this with our kids, but I'm still working on this. Absolutely. And again, we're I think that's uh, going to be a common theme in pretty much <laughs> every episode that we talk about. So much of it is you know, how can I fix my kids? And we want that Easy. We want that band-aid, yeah, right? That it. like fix it. Right. It's it's not me. It's my kids. You just you don't know. Uh but when you really break it down, you know, doing the work on ourselves is going to cascade down to our kids. Right. Uh, so be prepared to revisit that theme quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So before we dig into the actionable tips, I really want us to remember something that was said in our last episode was that children are born with all of these emotions and none of the coping skills, right? So this really, when we reflect on that, it might leave you wondering, well, do we need to teach these emotional intelligence skills to our children? Or is it something they just sort of pick up along the way. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think it is going to be a combination of the two, right? It's We do need to kind of 
make an effort to actively teach these skills, which we're going to talk about. Uh, but also there's something that they will just passively pick up as a result of being in our environment, but also being out with friends, other family members. Absolutely. I think the research is pretty clear that we need both. In our last episode, we discussed the importance of validating our kids, being present, calm, and non-judgmental with them in these emotionally charged moments, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's our duty to teach and guide them as much as we can. And this might look like teaching about emotions early so they can explore the world and the wide range of emotions that are available to them. Yeah, and so this introduces our first actionable tip of the episode. Tip number one is we can grow their emotional vocabulary through modeling. In order to kind of contextualize this tip, why don't you go ahead and share that story, Jen? All right, so Greg went out to a Tuesday night movie. We have $5 Tuesdays around here. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> this is something that you do occasionally, right? Yeah. You like to take time for yourself. It's your self-care. Um, and we are really trying hard this year to find things that we both enjoy. And unfortunately, with four kids, we can't always do them together, mm -hmm. but that's okay. Yeah. Right? We have our time together. We have our time apart, and it's been really working well. For yes. us. Much more on this in the next episode yes. <laughs> on parental stress and burnout. So Greg's out on a Tuesday night. I'm home with the four kids and I had a headache. It was actually a really, it was a good night, right? You, mm. we had had dinner beforehand. It was time to do our end of the night cleanup and our oldest was the only one yeah. listening and helping out. She's not always the one that's listening <laughs> and helping out, but in, the, there, in this case she was. Yeah. I asked for support a couple of times from our other two daughters who, you know, are, are very capable most times of helping out, but they continued to play and I could just feel myself getting more and more dysregulated, right? So all those internal feelings, like my heart's beating faster, I'm heating up. And I feel like only recently am I now like really paying attention to it. Right and understanding what it is. Right. That's how long it's taken me to develop yeah. this skill. Almost 40 years. Yeah. But shockingly, I was really, I was able to name it for the girls. I went over to them and I clearly stated something like, I'm frustrated. I can feel myself getting upset. And right there, my mistake was that I didn't then use a strategy to regulate. Yeah. So again, great, great start, right? You kind of started this path to emotional regulation by kind of labeling your emotions. Um, but yeah, there needs to be more. Right. And it takes practice, right? It's hard. I don't get it right every time. So I boiled over. I let out a yell, something like, why aren't you helping us clean up? Yeah. Once it was out, Greg, <laughs> like I just couldn't stop myself. I continued with more blame, shame, something like, why does it have to get to the point of me yelling before you'll listen? Yeah, I've been there. I've done yeah. that. It's quite it's a like bit you myself. open the floodgates and, and everything that you've been squashing, squashing, squashing just comes out. Right. So Here's where I caught myself, and I know a lot of you have been there, right? Immediate mom guilt. I'm a horrible mom. What's wrong with me, right? They finally started helping, but why did it have to get to that point? Yeah, and so first, just to make it clear, this is something that, again, I'm confident 
almost everybody listening right now has had these moments. It doesn't make us bad parents. You are not a horrible mom. I'm not a bad dad. No one out there is a bad parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, when they have these kinds of explosions. But it's hard to rewrite that narrative. Oh, God, That's yeah. so ingrained. So, so let me say us. it again and again and again. <laughs> you are not a bad parent. You are a great caregiver who's just working on some things. We have to recognize we all have so much kind of like unlearning to do, right? Things have been built in and ingrained in us since birth, given our experiences. And so let's focus on the positive, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You did mention to them, I'm frustrated, beginning to put into practice this actionable tip number one, grow their emotional vocabulary through modeling. So looking back, what could you have done differently to better apply this tip? Yeah, I think looking back, I really wish I had used some sort of grounding technique. You know, something like, something we talk about all the time, yeah. right? Removing myself from the room, maybe taking three deep breaths, you know, something we did right before we started this episode, sure right? Did. Like, let's take three <laughs> deep breaths calming breaths really the more we practice this the more we'll be able to use this strategy in these sort of heated moments where we feel ourselves building um so you know if i might then yeah let's all just practice want to take one breath with me right now <laughs> sure let's do it deep breath in through the nose slow long breath out through the mouth I'm confident we just regulated a bunch of folks. <laughs> Continue, please. If, if no one else, we did ourselves. That's right. Fine. <laughs> We're really here for us. That's it. This is all group therapy, Jenny and I. Um, you know, in, in doing a grounding technique, I think it would have bought me time, Yeah. you know, to allow my brain to sort of come back online, be able to make more helpful decisions. I really want to show up as this leader a model for our children, but I can't do that if I'm unable to step back and regulate. So it's so important to recognize we have these big emotions and then we have our reactions. It's all about the space in between. And so you mentioned using these grounding techniques like deep breathing to literally build in space between emotion mm -hmm. and behavior. And so just keep that in mind to everyone out there. It's always going to be step one is try to regulate yourself. So whether it's mm -hmm. breath work or some other grounding strategy, Build space in between what you're feeling and how you react. Do that by grounding yourself in some way. Right. There's this, you know, regulation before expectation. Bingo. And that, you know, it doesn't just apply to children. <clears throat> Sorry. You're right there. <laughs> <laughs> it also applies to us. You know, I think we hear that a lot when it comes to our children and it comes to school and, you know, making sure that we help our children be regulated so that they're able to show up and meet the expectations of the school day. But it really, that is something that we would all benefit from, oh, giving yeah. ourselves a little more grace with that. So I could have said something in this moment like, my heart is beating really fast. I'm getting frustrated. I'm going to step out of the room and take three deep breaths to calm myself down. I'll be right back. Right? So the kids clearly yeah. know they know what's going on with me, that internal feeling that I'm having. You know, it's coming out as frustration. I'm going to step out of the room, take three deep breaths. I'm not leaving you, right. right? I'm not like deserting my kids. I will be back and I'll be better for it. Yeah. 
And this is modeling right here. It shows that I have a wide range of feelings, right? Parents don't need to be perfect in front of their kids all the time. Be human. Right. I get upset and I use a strategy before I come back. Then they'll be able to learn that our problems aren't solved by boiling over. And I think that's something that's hard to see in our own kids because I think we see it sometimes in our older kids that, you know, they're they're boiling over to respond yeah. to situations and pretty confident they learned that from you and I. Yeah, without <laughs> without a doubt. And so basically focusing on this actionable tip here, which can hopefully prevent much of these uh, kind of explosions in the future, we can grow their emotional vocabulary through this kind of modeling, right? We discuss what we're going through using that reflective, expressive language. It's going to build their emotional vocabulary. So we have to be really aware of the words that we use and how the words that we do use have such incredible power, right? Uh, Social learning is, it's huge. When we talk about how we all develop, so much of it is through observation. So as their parents, the people that they're spending most of their time with, Mm -hmm. we can capitalize on every interaction with them as this opportunity to openly model our own emotional state and how we're going to work through it. Right. So it doesn't, like, don't put pressure on yourself. That doesn't mean, like, you need to be perfect. You're showing them all of these emotions. Yeah. Anger, sadness, happiness, Joy, everything. Everything's fair game. Nothing's kind of off the table. And so for all of you listening, I want you to ask yourself, are you aware of how you speak to your children throughout the day, right? Are you aware of the impact of your words? You know, so for example, uh, again, we've caught ourselves making so many mistakes since we've really dug into (laughs) all this stuff. And, you know, I catch myself even, you know, just yesterday saying things like, oh, you're taking such a long time to get ready. Or after there's some sort of spill or an accident, like this morning, my daughter spilled a bag of granola (laughs) in in a drawer. And I'm like, seriously, again? And like, and I kind of, you should have X, Y, Z, and you should know better. And it's just uh, looking back on it, you know, I think I owe someone an apology when they get home. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, these statements really tend to snowball, just like what happened in my story. They make us feel worse, and they just, they simply aren't helpful. No one's learning from those types of statements. So I wish I could have replaced my thoughts with something like, they're not giving me a hard time, maybe they're having a hard time getting started, and this task feels too big. Or something like, most kids would struggle in this situation, yeah. right? Cleanup is daunting. I get overwhelmed by their playroom most of the time. Absolutely. So we need to just grow more aware of our thoughts, right? What are we thinking? And you know, taking this kind of metacognitive approach, thinking about your own thinking, you can kind of begin to reframe that thinking with more positive productive and affirming messages to help us show up as these emotionally resilient model parents that we want to be. Exactly. Like we can begin to assess what's not serving us, right? Versus what allows us to communicate our needs. So like saying things like, I'm frustrated, I'm feeling upset, I need help. Right. We're helping to create a positive sense of self for them. So be thinking, what words can we just straight up remove from our vocabulary starting right now? Words that lead to negative and unhelpful beliefs and 
therefore behaviors, right? Our thinking predicts our emotions, which then predicts our behavior. So attack the thinking, right? Challenge your thinking, change how you show up so we can, again, grow their emotional resilience through modeling. I love that. And I think, you know, it's really important for us to remember that our kids are good. Yeah. They're just having a tough time. That's it. Just saying that changes everything. So overall, this tip is really more proactive, right? Mm -hmm. It's helping them to build that emotional vocabulary so they can better understand, accept, and manage their emotions. Really something we're all striving to do. Yeah. And so with that, we're going to lead into actionable tip number two of this episode, calm the storm through co-regulation. Ideally, this one's proactive too, right? (laughs) But it also serves as a reactive strategy in those really tough moments. So Greg's going to share one of his stories. Yeah. So this is probably, if I were to put a guess on it, the biggest conflict that we have in our house. Let's be honest. This is both of our story because I deal with this daily It's every day. Uh, And so our girls absolutely love playing with dolls. If I had to put a number on it, I'd say we have, I don't know, 500 Barbie dolls. (laughs) It it might seem like an exaggeration, but I'm confident it's actually pretty damn accurate. Um, It's excessive. It's so excessive. And we've talked about kind of, you know, saying goodbye to some of them to, I don't know, just... But it's, that's hard. Yeah, obviously. That's it's a conversation <laughs> for another day. That's a whole other topic. Oh, my God. Letting go of things. Um, so, so we're in a moment where they want the same doll. And, you know, I've, how many times have I said the comment? We've got 500 freaking dolls. Could someone please just go pick another doll? Um, but they wanted the same one. And, you know, what's what's kind of good and bad is we have this open concept downstairs. So if someone's in the playroom and let's say I'm in the kitchen making dinner, um, we're still kind of in the same space, right? You could hear everything that's going on. And so when they're having these disagreements over the dolls, let's say, you can hear it kind of start relatively slow and then build over time. And again, if we're in the middle of uh, making dinner, you know, we want to give them the space to try to figure it out on their own. We want them to develop their own, you know, conflict resolution strategies. And sometimes they are able to resolve it to give them some credit, right? Our kids aren't... They're growing. All, yeah, they're, they are, they're growing, they're <laughs> learning. And to be honest, the more that we've been growing over these past few years, the more growth we've seen in them. So it's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, something to draw some attention to. But let's be real, much of the time, they aren't able to resolve it on their own, right? All it takes is one of them to grab the doll, rip it away, someone pulls hair, there's hitting, and you know, when it gets to that level, obviously that's when we intervene, when people's uh, safety becomes an issue. And in this specific story, uh, one of our daughters has this kind of scream cry that she does uh, when she gets hurt or gets even just gets upset. Just to sort of like visualize it. It yeah. is... Yeah. Open mouth, screaming, crying, just like whole body carrying on. Yeah, it's like a a 10 (laughs) out of 10 on this emotional outburst scale. And And you can't even talk to her. God, no. And, you know, it's it it physically hurts me. And so oftentimes I will just plug my ears when I hear it to kind of maintain my own sanity. It's become this huge trigger for me. So if I hear it 
coming from, you know, across the house, I kind of just need to walk the other way as a strategy to keep my cool. I would say it's actually gotten better. Mm -hmm. Like I noticed over the summer, we weren't seeing it as much, but now that the school year has picked back up and she clearly has more stressors on her plate. Yeah, we're seeing it more. So, you know, in this moment, she was dysregulated. Here's where you come in to essentially pour water over the fire or add fuel to it. Yeah. Right? So what did you bring? Did you bring water or fuel? We're dying to know. (laughs) This time, I brought water. And so, again, we're trying to keep it as real as we can here. Much of the time, I come in with the fuel. I co-escalate. But in this instance, again, I came with the water. Um... The deep breathing, you know, people are probably just so sick and tired of hearing about taking deep (laughs) breaths. But I mean, if you're not taking deep breaths to regulate yourself, you are skipping over a tool that is always readily available and is the fastest working tool at helping you calm your body down. No question about it. Start breathing if you're not breathing yet. So when I heard this, the screaming, again, I know it's a trigger now. And I think, again, a conversation for another day is identifying your triggers. Mm, I know I that, like that I know that her screaming is a trigger for me. So the moment I hear it, deep breath, <sighs> I was able to come into the room calm, collected. I got close. I knelt down to meet her at her level. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to come in anymore as this hot and threatening dad, which I feel like I used to use as, or I used to convince myself that I was using as this, you know, aversive behavioral strategy. If dad gets pissed off, she's going to do that behavior less. Meanwhile, it's really just me being dysregulated. Right. I'm going to um, like share, I'm going to scare them into yeah. sharing the doll. Yeah. So yeah. again, it's, I'm so, it's embarrassing and I'm really done trying to pretend that that's an actual strategy <laughs> to use. So... I was I was calm, I was collected, so with my facial expression, with my tone, with my just general body language, I tried offering her this genuine understanding and empathy for what she was going through. So I said something like, I hear you, this is hard, you really want that doll, and it stinks that your sister really wants it too, right? I, I tried not to talk too much or do any real problem solving, I just wanted to calmly connect to help bring down the emotional temperature in the room, right? Right. So this brings us back to our tip, calming the storm through co-regulation. What I'm hearing is that you are able to care for your own needs by taking deep breaths. You shifted your perspective and then you were able to show up and co-regulate with her. Yeah. And so literally, no exaggeration, three is my magic number, three deep breaths all while thinking like you were saying before, right? She's having a hard time. I'm allowed, while she's upset, I'm allowed to take that time out for myself to come in regulated. Because if I don't build that space in, we go back to your story, you know, from the girls weren't listening, that's where the explosions happen. So take that time. You are allowed to have a minute to breathe or use whatever other grounding strategy you need while your kids are having a hard time. If it's gonna help you show up better, right? These these breaths that I take to, to fill those in who aren't familiar with you know how it works, right? The breathing is activating our parasympathetic nervous system and literally is how we calm down. So it's helping us regulate through this biological pathway. And then when we have that perspective shift, right, saying she's having a hard time, it's changing our thoughts, which kind of helps us stay regulated through this cognitive pathway. 
Exactly. And, you know, you're now able to do this as an almost 40-year-old Some adult. Some of the time. <laughs> Some, Some of, of the, the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is better than none of the time. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is self-regulation. That's what you're doing, yeah. right? That's our ultimate goal. But we really have to be honest with ourselves. Like our kids simply aren't there yet. And yeah. we shouldn't expect them to be, and they're not supposed to be. Yeah, and so again, much of the time, I can't even self-regulate. It's literally the thing in the past few years that I've been working at the most, and I'm still to this day working at, and it's awful to think that much of the time I have this perspective on them, like, why can't you just calm the hell down? Meanwhile, I'm there shouting in their face. Right, <laughs> I think this is why like sending our kids to their room, yeah. like come back when you feel better, is just not an effective strategy. Like, do they honestly feel better when they come back? Right. So that, you know, we have to keep in mind, they, like you were saying before, they lack the skills to self-regulate, which is why we need to be there with them as that kind of, uh, you know, calm supporter that's going to help them co-regulate. Right. Our regulation sort of walking side by side, supporting one another. Yeah. Right. So... This self-regulation is really, it's developed over years. Decades. (laughs) Sorry. Right. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So for our kids, they really need to be a part of this co-regulation process with their caregivers. So this looks like, you know, you staying present and supporting our daughter as she's calming down. Caregivers are key, right? Mm -hmm. We can't expect our kids to know precisely what to do in these emotionally charged situations. What we're seeing from our kids on a daily basis is not an act. Yeah. You want me to repeat that Please again? Please do. It is not an act. Yeah, I, I've heard, I feel really passionately about so, this. I've heard this before, <laughs> and I absolutely love it. Believe what they perceive, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're seeing them experiencing or expressing some emotion, some feeling, again, get out of your head that they're so this like Oscar winning actor who's, who's putting on a wonderful show for you. They're feeling what they seem to be feeling. It's not an act. Right. You don't need to agree with it. You can believe them and not agree. Right. Both of those Both things. can happen at the same exactly. time. Exactly. So really as parents, we need to sort of shift our thinking. We hear a lot of comments on social media. You know, yeah. things like... But they were able to figure this out yesterday or like she has the tools to calm herself down. She's just testing you. Yeah. These things couldn't be further from the truth. Our ability to manage our emotions as adults Mm -hmm. and adjust our behavior truly fluctuates from day to day. And moment to moment, right? I might be absolutely I might have the tools right now. But in two minutes from now, you're going to get an entirely different version of me who isn't able to access those tools for a number of reasons. Right. So we might be able to access our skills one moment and not the next based on a whole variety of different factors. And so that's us as adults. Imagine how much harder it is for our developing children with their immature brains. Right. Like just think about the amount of times we snap or shout. Mm Mm-hmm. We lose our ability to regulate every day. frequently. I'm going to say every day. I'm going for it. <laughs> I don't know if it's every day, but it might be close. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't believe it, but I appreciate it. But so we all know that 
as the parents, we are the best people to calm down our children, period. It's not them on their own. It's not some person outside of the home. It is us. It is our job to help them feel safe. It is our job to connect with them and build a judgment-free relationship where they feel comfortable feeling and expressing all of the emotions that this wonderful human experience has to offer, right? So Right, but like that's not to say that I mean our kids should be co-regulating with other adults in their lives, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. But much of the time, you know, we just need to recognize the power that we have and we need to do things to act on that power to help them grow. Right. We're their safe space. Yeah. We're going to see it the most. Yeah. So I, I want everyone to kind of have a reframe here. Much of the time we kind of jump into this problem solver role. Instead, try just to show up to give them the space and support they need to express those big feelings and just to be heard, right? Be seen. So you're telling me that we don't need to move into fix-it mode. No. And so, you know, step one is to just be accepting. (laughs) That's so hard. Right, it is. But if we're just accepting and understanding, you know, just realize they're having a hard time, not giving us a hard time, like we've been saying. If we can just bring the calm, bring the the softness, bring the regulation, we're we're lending them our calmness, our regulation. We are co-regulating, right? This is tip number two. Calm the storm through co-regulation. Which basically means you need to regulate yourself before offering your child support. That's it. Plain and simple. We really need to recognize that we are the best tool to use when it comes to encouraging this more relaxed emotional environment during our kids' heated moments. Well said. So to move things along here, we are on actionable tip number three we've made it to uh through two we're on number three now which is be consistent by maintaining healthy boundaries and to introduce this actionable tip generally is going to share a story so our oldest daughter has a phone yeah. one of our old phones that you know it's connected to wi-fi she can't call out on it right. but she uses it to message with her friends She also, she's artsy, likes to do some video editing. Mm -hmm. She's been occasionally learning Spanish on it when we prompt her to do it. And that was the reason she has the phone. Originally, it's like, okay, you're going to use this for the the Babbel app and you're going to learn Spanish and it's become, you know, yeah. Yeah. And she has a couple of games on there too. So of course she's, you know, she plays those and... Our youngest has gotten a hold of her phone on a few occasions, and let's just say it's a miserable experience taking it away from him. I don't know if you've ever tried to take a phone away from a two-year-old, but as his parents, we really had to decide on setting a boundary. We weren't going to let him use any of our phones at all. That's it. It's, It's a tough boundary to maintain, honestly, since tech is just all around us all the time. We're using it for work. The kids are using it for school. They're using it during their, you know, their free time. Right. And, you know, even though we've had to set and maintain this boundary, it's 100% worth it for all of our sanity. Yeah. And so it's worth mentioning here that, you know, thinking about these kind of almost like cold turkey boundaries, like we're just not going to let them have the phone. Um, When we set boundaries like this, it 
we might think that they're maybe too firm, right? We should be flexible. Um, and by being this rigid, it's going to make our kids upset. And, you know, sometimes we see that emotional temperature rising in them when we try to enforce these boundaries. And sometimes we'll just back down or give in, right? Right. But I think instead we can acknowledge verbally, like yeah. put it out there. You're frustrated. You're angry. Whatever it is, we want them to go through this full range of emotions. It doesn't mean we set them up, but like we set this boundary, we're going to maintain it. Our kids don't have to be happy and calm all the time. That's it. When we set these boundaries really from our heart, we have good intentions, we can let these emotions flow. They're going to be okay. So how about this though? Help me out. What can we do in those moments when we've set a boundary? And our kids are pushing back against them pretty hard. You know, Mm -hmm. we've all been there, so you know what this might look like for you. What do we do when we just want to give in? Give them the damn phone, shut them up, let them, you know, stare at the screen while I do this thing that I need to do. Yeah, I think this goes back to our last episode. We really want to validate our kids. Yeah. We can say something like, oh, I know you really want to use this phone. Playing games on the phone is a lot of fun. You're upset. I get it. I'd be upset too. Yeah. So you're saying we basically just have to be okay with their unpleasant reactions, right? And follow the actionable tip here. Be consistent by maintaining healthy boundaries. Absolutely. And this is so hard. I get it. Sometimes we just want to make the crying stop. Like, all right already. Just take the damn phone. Just stop crying. (laughs) Yep. But we need to be able to really sit with our children and their emotions, even when they make us uncomfortable. I'll say it again. If you're setting a healthy boundary, right, with those good intentions, Mm -hmm. you have a reason behind it, you've communicated it to our kids. You know, it's not like we just like took the phone away one day. We communicated it to him in an age appropriate way. We shouldn't really have a reason to back down. Right. And so with, with these boundaries, right, we're not talking about you know, setting rules just for the sake of rules because you're on some kind of power trip or something. (laughs) It's, you know. And it's okay to, (laughs) I want to say this too. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. If you set a boundary and you reflect on it late at night, like why the hell did I set that boundary? Maybe you were on a power trip, right? Right. You were dysregulated. You can change it. You don't need to stay with it. Right. I'm the parent, damn it. And so, you know, again, look back. This is life. This is real. Bingo. So, you know, just keep in mind. Every single boundary or rule that you have in your home with your kids, it should have their health and safety at its foundation. Uh, Again, we've all had those people in our lives that have put forth rules and boundaries because they are on that power trip. They want to be in control. That's not ever how you should approach this. Right. So now shifting a bit, right? It's getting to the point where you're uncomfortable, what do you do, right? Mm. That might be a question that some people are are thinking to yeah. themselves right now. So you might pull out a mantra yeah. at this point. I am really filling up my mantra toolbox, yes, Greg. Yes, me too. Like I the more lit- mantras I can have, the better. I literally ended my class with my students on Thursday. I'm like, yo, we're all going to have a mantra and we're going to say this together. It, it was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Um, so you might say something to yourself like, I'm a loving and responsible parent, and I trust my decisions. Mm -hmm. Or you might say, setting boundaries shows my child that I care and want what's best for them. And we can, once we figure out how to do it, 
put these mantras in the show notes so that you guys can have them and practice them. Write them down. Post them somewhere. We don't expect you to memorize them. I certainly don't have them all memorized, but... Yeah, and so the more I, you use them, the more you'll just be able to pull them up readily. That's it. And the more, like every time you read it, every time you say it, it's just helping your brain grow more in that direction, right? That's That goes for all things. The more time you spend thinking or doing something, you will gravitate towards that thing. For me personally, I, I use the Notes app on my phone. And yeah, it's every day I'm opening up that app and digging into my mantras. And yeah, it's has changed just so much of how I move throughout my day. How about even just right now setting a reminder on your phone? Pick a time and write the words, I trust my decisions. Yeah, that's good. And have that pop up on your phone. That's not a bad thing to see every day. That's going to help us grow. It's going to help us grow. And maintain our boundaries. That's it. (laughs) All right, so back to the story. All right, so once I felt like he was ready, I was then able to redirect, right? He's two years old. There's only so much we're going to go into it at at this point, he's a young guy. I was able to say something like, hey, let's go outside. He was able to shift and move on with his day with my support. But as the parent, you know, sometimes we're left with these uncomfortable, lingering feelings, right? Like, did I do the right thing? Yeah. Could I have done something better? Right. And so sometimes just stepping out of the room, just separating, you know, helps to reset us, right? Take those calming breaths or Do whatever you need to do just to move on and try not to dwell on the negativity of the situation. A hundred percent. We need to continuously be working on ourselves, taking the time to care for our own nervous systems so that we can really show up as these regulated guides for our children. They really desperately need us to be that for them. It doesn't have to be exhausting or feel like work, but it is, it's definitely practice. It sure is. A practice that we make an effort each and every day to do, right? Right. That's what it's all about. And that's why you're here. Being a part of this podcast with us is a practice. I love it. So that wraps up our three actionable tips. We are at the conclusion of episode number two. I can't believe it. Uh, And so to summarize those three actionable tips for this topic of building resilience in our children, nurturing emotional strength and coping skills, our tips were one, grow their emotional vocabulary through modeling, two, calm the storm through co-regulation, and three, be consistent by maintaining healthy boundaries. Can I just say that you kind of sound like a game show host? I do. Which one? Like Bob Barker? I don't. You were you were channeling someone there. Let us know what you guys think. Yeah, right. um, if you found this episode helpful in any way, please go to happyhumanlife.org, sign up, join our free community. You'll be able to stay up to date with all of our current content as well as connect with some pretty awesome caregivers just like yourself. Yeah. You'll have the chance to submit your questions and help us co-create these episodes so that we're truly able to meet your needs and your family's needs. That's what we're here for. That's it. And so looking ahead on the next episode of The Price is Right, I mean, uh, (laughs) next episode, we will be looking at handling parental stress and burnout, a big one, coping strategies for overworked and overwhelmed parents. Thanks for being here. Uh, We know that your time is quite literally the most valuable thing. And so we are just so incredibly 
grateful for, and we appreciate every second that you spend with us. So as you all now know, I am building my mantra yes. toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> to say it again. You got another one? But we are hoping to give you some sort of mantra, motivational message at the end of all of these podcasts. Yeah. So here it goes. From today forward, I'm going to look beyond my child's behavior by staying curious. I will take care of myself to be better able to respond in a calm more understanding way when my child is struggling. We're on this journey together. By supporting my child and valuing their emotions, I will promote healthy growth for my family. We'll see you next time. Take care.